0: Hey, welcome to Grace Online. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor of Grace Free Church. I'm pumped that you're here. And if you are part of our online location, you are part of Grace Free Church in every way, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. If you have more questions about our church or want to know more information about the incredible programming we have for you and your family and your friends, or if you just need prayer, our team is here to serve you. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, to get the full grace online experience jump over to our actual grace online location It's found at www.gracefreechurch.live on this page you're going to find links to our state-of-the-art kids content you just click the kids link and we have absolutely incredible content to help them grow and be encouraged and learn more about jesus And by the way, before we get started, hit the connect button. It's our main way of communicating with you about all of the incredible things that are coming up with Grace Free Church. I don't want you to miss out on anything. We're here for you and we have amazing stuff for you. And the way to learn about that is through the connect link on this page. I hope you're ready for an awesome worship service. God's going to do some absolute incredible stuff. Jump in the chat. You can connect with people through there. I'm pumped for the worship. I'm pumped for the message that's going to come this morning and uh, or whenever you're watching it. So let's get ready to worship together.
1: Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm gone in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back. I know you are near, and I will fear no evil. For my God is with me And if my God is with a light that is coming for a heart that holds on a glorious light beyond all compare. and there will be an end to these troubles but until that day comes we'll live to know you're here on If my God is with me
0: into it. Dear God, we thank you so much. We come into this space, all different kinds of things, on our mind and in our hearts. Some of them are distractions and some of them are just really pressing issues. You know, life is complex. You know know that. Some of us bring that complexity into this space and what we need is for you just to break through a little bit or a lot of bit. Help us to see you and hear your words. We don't need more of me, for sure. We don't need more of ourselves. We just need more of you. So we ask that your spirit would come and settle in our hearts, open our eyes, ears, pull down some barriers in our heart, help us to experience the freedom that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're starting a brand new series, and that series is called Mind the Gap. Is thinking about how we think, which is a space we often don't think about. You're with me, you no? Okay. Um, and uh, over the next four weeks, I think the series is gonna is gonna go through, and we're gonna talk about how to like what God says about how we think and how how what we think has a much bigger impact on our lives than we usually are willing to admit on a day to day basis. Um, and uh, we're going to look at it from a biblical perspective, from God's perspective, just talk about our heads and our thoughts and our hearts and how all of those things play out in real life. You know, I was at um, swimming lessons a couple of years ago when my kids were little and my oldest two girls were just there to, to watch as, I, as we took my youngest kid to um, Take lessons, and you know, they lock you outside of the pool. Have you ever been to one of these things? You can't let parents in there, which is wise because parents usually are the problem yelling all kinds of things that their kids are just trying to figure out how to not swallow a bucket full of water in the pool, right? Without swimmies for the first time. I'm not a morning person. People always ask me, Where's your eight o'clock service? I say, Where are all the people that are going to fill this room for eight o'clock? Because I'm not showing up till they all show up. Um, and so we were late rushing to, rushing to swimming lessons one day, and uh, I forgot some chairs. I grabbed two chairs instead of three, set my kids up. And by the time I got them all settled in and my other kid in the pool and everything situated, I realized I wasn't going to stand for this entire brutal swimming lesson. You know, if I got to listen to all these parents and I got to watch all of this, I'm going I'm to sit down and do it. So I was like, you kids just stay here. I'm going to run to the car and get another... Uh, chair and as I was running to the car you know all the parents are set up along the thing and this little street in Pine Grove had two kind of signs like here and I was going to cut through the signs cuz you don't want to we pay attention to the signs we just miss what's in between the signs so, so in my rush to get to the car and grab another chair in my with my focus solely on where I'm going to go next what I'm going to do next And dodging these two signposts, I cut quickly in between them and caught with my face the biggest, thickest, grossest spiderweb you can imagine. I mean, not only did this spiderweb wrap completely around my face, because of the enthusiasm with which I stepped in between these signs. <laughs> but the monster spider that was residing on this spider web, I'm a fan of spiders, don't really get me. You know, like I'm not that. They, they eat bugs. That's enough for me. You can live in my house, whatever. I don't want you crawling around on my face, though. The biggest spider ever on my head. It was one of those moments I like screamed. I screamed like I was an 11-year-old girl and you just ripped the head off my Barbie. (laughs) I I screamed, I don't know if that's an appropriate thing to say even. I, I screamed in like a high, shrieking, my voice hasn't changed yet scream. All the parents on there just turned and when, ooh, you know it's bad when everybody just in unison agrees, that's not good. You know, like people are scrambling for their phones, throw, want to throw it up on YouTube, get some views. Like I could it was one of those thick spider webs you can't even get off, you know, like you're going, trying to get it off my head. It's the stuff in between what we're focused on that can tangle us up the most. It's the stuff we don't see. And we're not paying attention to that, can cause us the most harm. This series is called Mind the Gap. That comes from signs all over the Europe metro or subway or whatever you want to call it. Everywhere you look, if you're over there, you just see signs, Mind the Gap. And what it's talking about is the space between the platform and the subway car, because that's where you could do the most damage. We don't pay attention to that space because we're going so fast and trying to get where we need to go and trying to get the thing done that we need to get done. We're paying attention to the obvious things like our actions or what people are doing to us or our circumstances, but it's the space in the gap that we don't always pay attention to. It's that space that creates the potential to experience a ton of hurt. It's also that space that when we're paying attention to what God says about how we think, when we're listening for what God says about how to mind the gap in our life, it's that space that can also lead to the most freedom that you can actually experience. And and so my prayer for this series and for today is that... some of you who have been locked up and held captive by some faulty thinking, by maybe some lies that feel like truth, would be set free. In this series, I've, um, you know, when I research for these messages, which, hap- which I spend a lot of time on, I don't know if you think that maybe I just jump up here and just start blabbing. Uh, um, Usually I I research and it ends up these messages are crafted and pulled from a whole bunch of different places and a whole bunch of different things that I've read or picked up or God's laid on my heart um, over a long period of time and the culmination is kind of this next 20 minutes or whatever. This one, as I was researching over the next four weeks, talking about how we think, one reference kept coming up, one book kept coming, everybody kept everybody kept pointing back to the same place, and so finally I caved and I jumped in and I got this book called Winning the War in Your Mind. Not for your mind, in your mind. It's a book by Craig Rochelle, who's a phenomenal leader and pastor, and so I just wanted, I don't do this often, I don't get anything out of it, there's no like, amazon points that are coming my way or any nonsense like that i just want to be transparent and say that that book has greatly influenced these talks and if you want to dive deeper it's a phenomenal read or listen because i don't like to read i like audiobooks. how jacked up am i my favorite thing is an audio book on two times speed like, I can't even slow down to listen to an audiobook in regular time. <laughs> Mind the gap. We don't think about what we think. Problem number one. Problem number two, what we think about greatly affects our circumstances and what we do. Our thoughts drive our actions. The way Craig put it in in his book, the question he kind of keeps asking over again. So what direction are your thoughts leading you? Your thoughts don't have to be true or right, but your thoughts will always lead you in a certain direction. And to complicate matters, for us, from a Christian perspective, your thoughts are always under attack. There's a battle for your mind and how you think. In Scripture, in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders and pointing out some faulty thinking and some things they have been missing. And he's being really hard on them because they are try- representing God in what they're spinning. And they're not sharing truth. They're sharing lies. They're not helping people find freedom. They're not helping people understand who this God truly is. And so his words are kind of harsh. He's talking to them and about the lies that they have bought into and continue to spin or perpetuate, and he describes the enemy as the father of lies. Now, now, I don't want to like blame it all on the devil, because too many people do that too often in church. But the reality is that you have an enemy who Scripture descri- Jesus describes as a thief who has only come To steal and kill and destroy. This enemy doesn't want to see you flourish and experience freedom and be who God has created you to be. The enemy doesn't want you to experience true joy or true peace. And when Jesus is talking to these Pharisees in John chapter eight, it's interesting that he lays out the description of the devil as the father of lies. This... Enemy wants to mess with your thinking, wants to complicate, wants to pitch you lies about who you are and who God is, and he'll season these lies with just enough of a hint of truth, with just enough of something to be reinforced by your circumstances that you start to believe them. Complicating it even further is our brains create pathways. The more you think a thought, the easier it is to think it you mix all of this complexity up in our existence and this space that we have not been paying enough attention to how we think is this complex and complicated battlefield that is causing us not just harm on the inside but it's affecting how we live on the outside too and and that's why We're gonna take a couple weeks and pause and just slow down, self-reflect a little bit and start asking the questions. Are these thoughts that I have been letting drive my life true and right? Where are they taking me? Should they be the thoughts that I am following to their likely conclusion? Or is there a truth that actually offers me freedom? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the, the passage that I want to talk about today in, our, in the next couple of minutes here is, says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now that's super important there. I have that underlined divine power like implied here in this verse is that there are some strongholds that exist that that you can't destroy on your own but that you have access to the power you need to destroy those strongholds. There's some strongholds that need to be torn down, but you can't tear them down by yourself, but that's okay because God is on the scene and he is going to equip you and empower you to start to peel down the lies that have been binding you up. The word strongholds there in um, this passage would have painted a very clear picture for the people of the day that Jesus, when Jesus was... Here, and these words by Paul were being recorded, the picture of a stronghold, it's maybe not something we picture instantly, but it's something they would have pictured instantly. You'd have these cities that were kind of loosely organized, not as organized with as clear boundaries as we would have these days. But in the center of these cities, so people would live all about and make their lives and do their business and trade things and farm and do all that fun stuff, mostly on the outside of what we would picture as The the city, which is really the stronghold, because inside these kind of like gatherings of locations, you would have this stronghold that was built. It would be really big with really high walls, a fortified structure, enough to house all of the people that kind of lived in the city or around this Stronghold. if they were to come under attack. And the whole idea was that these places were so fortified that you couldn't penetrate them, you couldn't break in and pillage the city or harm those who have taken refuge in the stronghold. In fact, the only way you could really beat a stronghold is to cut off the supply and isolate them and keep the food... The supplies, the water from being brought in to sustain the people that were inside. This passage goes on though, and it describes kind of like these strongholds that he's talking about in this passage. He says, We demolish arguments. Wait, the stronghold isn't out there? It's not something that's just like a part of the world? It's arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then, and then this part. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Wait, so the stronghold, it's not something out there. It's something in here and in here. This isn't a safe place to run to. This stronghold is actually keeping me captive because, because these thoughts that I've been having that aren't necessarily true, these lies that I've been holding on to that have been spun around are, are fortified and they're planted deep inside of me And it's these strongholds that need to be peeled down for me to actually experience the freedom that Christ has for me. These lies that are reinforced are the strongholds that need to be demolished. The more you think a lie is true, the truer it feels. Here's my strongholds. Since as far as I can remember, I've had this thought that I'm not good enough. I tried in preparation for this to pinpoint the origin of it. And sometimes the lies have existed so long in your head that you can't really figure out when they started. But this one singular thought has been reinforced by myself, by the enemy, and by some circumstances over and over and over again. And if you got me in the right moment of weakness with my insecurities, which is not hard to find me in a moment like this, flared up, and you asked me, I would tell you, and I would mean it, I'm not good enough. As a kid, I thought, I'm not good enough for church. Maybe because my dad was a pastor and because I saw all these people with these nice smile. you know, you don't have to put on a fake smile here, right? But sometimes people show up to church and they put on these fake smiles and they look, all oh, I got my life all together. Nobody knows that you were just, you know, screaming and reaching across the back seat and fighting with your spouse. And you threw your coffee across the driveway this morning because you were so mad and, these things are, fa- nobody knows that, you know, you just, everything looks so perfect, and everybody says so many perfect things, and we put, like, little verses, and, like, blast, and all these spiritual phrases around everything, and I just got to tell you, like, that's not, that's not who, I've never been that, and so I've always felt like I'm not good enough, and it spilled into my spiritual life. I spent a lot of time thinking, I'm not Good enough for God. And then I became a pastor. I'm like, I'm not good enough to be a pastor. I look at all these other pastors and they sound better than me. They know more than me. They dress better than me. It's not hard to do, but they do it. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm just not, I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not enough, good enough pastor. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not good enough. A stronghold. Here's another one. This one I could pinpoint. Ever since 2008 when I lost my brother in a car accident and my mom to pancreatic cancer, I've had this stronghold, this thought that I'm going to lose everyone I love or that I'm going to leave them myself. You don't believe me, ask any of my doctors how many MRIs I've forced on them they, they haven't gotten the MRI. I forced them to give me the MRI. Every time a kid sneezes inside me, it's like the panic button, button is being hit over and over again. And, I'm, and my mind has this crazy stronghold that I just go to. It says, they're, they're dying. They're going to leave you. They're not going to make it like everybody else leaves you. Like everybody you love is lost. It's just going to be you alone. Everything you care about is going to be taken away from you. It's a stronghold. It's not just a thought that I believe, a lie that I believe as if it were true. It affects what I do and everything about my life. And if I'm really being transparent, those strongholds have held me captive and stolen from me so much peace So many weeks ruined. So many sleepless nights. Strongholds. What's a lie the enemy has been reinforcing in your head? It's not from God. What's a lie that has been reinforced? Maybe it's you're not enough like me. Maybe it's you're going to lose what's most important to you like me. Maybe your stronghold's different. Maybe your stronghold is you think you're unlovable. Maybe your stronghold is you think you can't trust anybody, you've been burned. And this lie took seat in your head and heart, saying that you really can't trust anybody. Maybe the lie is that you can find comfort in stuff. Like ice cream. (laughs) Like a bottle. Like a needle. Like sex. Maybe the lie is that you're not pretty enough. You'll always be alone. You can't do it. You know how many people walk around with that thought? Driving their lives? I can't do it. Why should I try? I can't. I can't do it. Not gonna stretch myself, I can't do it. Not gonna reach for more, I can't do it. Maybe you think you're worthless. And maybe that lie has been reinforced by people that you've lived around or grown up around. You're not worth anything. You're not important. You're not valuable. Your life doesn't have meaning. Maybe it's that you just don't have purpose. Maybe the stronghold is that you're a victim. Maybe, maybe, what's your stronghold? The space between that has been causing you so much hurt. No wonder the language in this passage is so strong and urgent. You need divine power to tear down and destroy these strongholds, to take captive these thoughts that aren't from God. They're not from God. If you've been hearing these kind of lies spun around in your head, it's not the voice of God. No wonder it's so... Urgent to tear these strongholds down. Some of you have been believing these strongholds for a really long time. Your brain has built these pathways. It's just so easy for you to think those thoughts. Anytime you mess up, anytime someone looks at you funny, anytime a post is maybe about you, anytime someone says something, gives you a judgmental look, Anytime somebody seems to be caught in a lie around you, they just flare up. Here's the good news. You can have a new path forward. And and this new path comes squarely from Jesus. Jesus was saying before he told those people about the father of lies in John chapter 8, he was talking to them, and he's saying, you shall know the truth, and the truth, you probably know this, it's a bumper sticker-like verse. People throw it around and use it for all kinds of stupid things, but it's way better than just a hashtag on social media, right? Like, don't post, like, I'm a winner, hashtag, the truth will set you free. Like, that's pretty dumb. But the truth of that verse is awesome. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, And then he goes on in scripture to lay out a path so that you don't have to think of truth as some ambiguous idea or some abstract thing that's kind of like out there, just sort of out of reach. Maybe you get a hint of it once in a while, but it can't really be known. Jesus said in John 14, 7, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Your truth has a name. It's Jesus. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you know the truth. Jesus is truth, and he gives us a tool to go on the offense against the strongholds of faulty thinking and lies that we have in our heads and in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about this, and it's, it says this. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against powers of our.'" dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms therefore we put on the full armor of god all you old school sunday school church kids are thinking flannel graph right now if you don't if you've never experienced flannel graph in church good you're never gonna you're welcome Let somebody just say oh get over it <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, we put on the full armor of God. It's, it's kind of just like a, a very creative thing here that we teach kids about how God offers us protection and um, how, you know, this battle that we're in, he, he equips us for and provides for us. And it, it, it describes it this way. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth, that truth that'll set you free, Buckled around your waist. What's interesting about this armor is the belt is that what would keep everything in place It's what would hold everything in place. It would keep stuff from going sideways and getting crooked and not doing its job. It's the belt of truth that you've got to keep buckled up and coming back to that keeps everything where it should be. It's truth. It goes on and it says, With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one with. Take up the helmet of salvation. You could spend a whole series going through each one of these things, but I want you to hit this last one first. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the only offensive tool listed in here. And what I love about this last verse is when Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was penning this, is the, he just goes on and tells you what it is. So you don't need some preacher to figure out what the sword of the Spirit is. You don't need to look it up in some commentary. You don't gotta go try to Google it to figure it out because it was so important that they just put it right there. Oh, by the way, in case you don't understand what this verse is saying, in case you don't understand the sword of the spirit, if that seems a little too abstract for you or hyped up spiritually for you, here it is, which is the word of God. Jesus truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And if you just get close to Him and follow Him, you'll know the truth. And He gives us this Word to help us experience the freedom that the truth has for us. It's the only offensive weapon that we can use to tear down strongholds, and take thoughts captive. I just want to ask again, what's the stronghold? Because we got to get a new path going in our head and in our mind. And what, we got, what we have to do is we have to take that, that faulty thinking, that that lie that has just been reinforced over and over and over again. We gotta start to build a new path with God's strength, a new path with his word. We gotta replace that lie with truth. And in doing so, it may take a while. There may be some difficult steps forward and a few steps back. But when we start to hear the real truth, the freedom comes. Maybe like me, you're thinking I'm not good enough. Here's the truth for you that you can use to tear down that stronghold. Put it on repeat. I've been trying to put it on repeat in my life over and over and over. Every time I catch myself thinking it, I did it. I had to do this right after I got off the stage and texted Ryan I said, sorry I went five minutes over, man, I'm just not good enough. I need to figure this out so I can keep Tremont on time. I had to do it right after I preached this message. No, no, I don't have to be good enough. The truth is that his grace is enough for me, that he makes me enough without me, that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Maybe you're feeling like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose somebody. I'm going to lose what's most important to me. No, all my days are ordained in his book. He holds the key to life and death for me. Not cancer, not some disease, not some circumstance, not some car. My days are numbered, but they are in his hands. Maybe you feel like you're unlovable, and the truth That you need to crack through that thinking is that God loves you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 34, 3. That there's nothing that can separate you from his love. Romans 8, his love is a strong love. You feel like you can't trust anyone. It's a lie. The truth is that you can trust him, that he is your salvation. You can trust in him and not be afraid. Isaiah 12. Verse 2, you're always going to be alone. Nope, God will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I'm never alone. Deuteronomy 31, six. I don't look good enough. I'm not pretty enough. Nobody's going to love me. No, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the universe who knows the hairs on your head and loves you so much, he's numbered them. That's an obsessive kind of love. Psalm 139. I can't do it. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You don't have to come up with the strength on your own. You don't have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do it through him and his strength in you. Everyone's against me. It doesn't matter who's against me if God is for me. The the creator of the universe is for me. Who cares what they say? Who cares what they do? Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm worthless. No, you are worth so much that God sent his son for you. That even while you were a sinner, He wanted to demonstrate his love for you in sending his son. I'm a victim of my circumstances. I'm a victim of my past. I'm a victim of others. No, you're hurt, but you are more than a conqueror through him, Romans 8. What's your stronghold? It's about time we start replacing these lies that we have let go unchecked in our heads for far too long with the truth about what God says about you. And we gotta dig in, put these truths on replay in our brains, get a new path going, and when we're confused, just keep getting close to Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And as you start this whole new process of paying attention to how you think and not just holding that stuff up to your own opinion on it, but really seeing what God says about it in replace of those lies, the lies start to lose their strength and power. That voice starts to get a little bit softer and you start to hear God over all of it. I just want to take a moment, if you would just kind of close your eyes. I'm going to pray here in a second. These are truths you can claim through faith. And if you're kind of not there yet, um, if you haven't trusted Jesus, I mean, that's the place to start. It's simple, it's not complex, it's not difficult. It's just about saying, God, I give you my heart and my life. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for me. I need the forgiveness that he made possible through that sacrifice and the hope that is sealed through the empty tomb. Give you my life. Come into my heart and make it new. For, for some of you, you've been sitting with these strongholds for super long. You don't even know their lies because you believed them and felt them. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, man, maybe you could just start to see them for what they are. Let the truth wash over your mind once again. You are not worthless. You are not broken beyond repair. You are not always going to be alone. You are not a victim of your circumstances. You are not unlovable. You are enough through him. He holds the keys to life and death. Nothing can separate you from his love. Maybe it's time you did some business with God. She said, here's the lie. It's so hard for me to let go of it. I believed it for so long, it's being reinforced by so many people and by so many circumstances, but I need freedom from this. And I know it just comes from the truth you have for me. Would you just give him that? Ask him to saturate your mind and your heart with how he sees you, with what he truly says about you. Dear Jesus, you know how hard this is. I'm going to step off the stage and feel once again like I'm not good enough. But we are going to keep stepping from those lies to truth. We're not going to trust ourselves or our heads. We're going to trust those things to you. Would you just pull down some of that garbage in our heads and our hearts and start to replace those voices we hear with your voice, with your voice? We so desperately need you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning, Grace family and friends. We are so glad you have joined us to worship at our online campus. I wanna take a moment and talk a bit about why we as a church encourage giving. Did you know that giving is considered an act of worship? It's true, Paul addressed the Philippian church on this very thing. In Ephesians 4:18 through 19, Paul states, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul, of course, is referring to their offerings here. Paul continues, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul used these gifts to further the mission of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And just like Paul, our mission at Grace Free Church is to share this good news throughout Schuylkill County. We want you to be a part of this mission as well. By partnering with us, we can reach the people of Schuylkill County. In fact, we can't do it without you. You may be thinking, how how do I partner with Grace Free Church? Well, one way is through giving. We made this partnership process very simple In fact, we have several methods to assist you in joining this mission. You can mail your gift to the church, you can text your gift to 570-528-2060, or you can give online by clicking the Give Online button on this page. The Give Online button also has a recurring giving option, which is a great way to schedule your gift giving. We appreciate you and are excited to see what God has in store for this church.
3: Been held in your hands, from the moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God.
1: It was my doom, yeah, till I met you. I was breathing.